episode 70 guys sorry before we start I need to I need to do that before we press record. All right, so let's jump straight into it then, guys. Good evening, welcome to episode seventy of the Racing Line podcast. Racing's back, first race of the season. A lot to talk about. Um, if you haven't watched the race, we'll just give you the first, second, and third so or the podium positions. So we saw um, the Red Bulls dominate pretty much the whole race. We'll get into that in a little bit more detail later on. With Verstappen leading, um, Perez coming home in second. And in third place, um, surprising, but also not so surprising if you saw testing and and how qualifying and practice panned out. Fernando Alonso in the Aston Martin, um, who have definitely made the leap. And again, we'll start going into a little bit more detail in a second. Um, So just before we start talking teams, boys, um, each of you just give me, you know, that kind of key statement, that key takeaway that you took from this first race of the season? I think other than the fact that the Red Bulls dominated, which I think we expressed last week, we thought was going to happen. I think the uh, this spread between the worst car and the grid to the, you know, especially the midfield battle, there's a very tight spread. We saw a lot of... Um, Different cars seem to have pace at different times. And even the um, other than the Red Bull team itself, the front of the field battle has got a new team added into that, which seems to be Aston Martin. So I think in terms of the season going forward, if Red Bull was to walk away with the season at, you know, at, a, at a canter, I think that there's enough excitement um, in the rest of the field to keep it entertaining and spicy. Well, your takeaways, H. Uh, McLaren need improvement and quickly. And same old Ferrari. Mm. Same old yeah. Ferrari. Underwhelming a little bit. Mm. Um, Christina. Oh, you're going to be recorded as Christina on <laughs> on the Zoom, but Christina's had a little bit of I was just thinking a, about that, hey? Yeah, Christina's had yeah. a little bit of a... Um, no, I cut off the names. I cut what, off the names. Oh, do you? What's yep. the opposite of a, you know, what's the opposite of a glow up? Press down. A dull down. Christina's had a bit of a dull down. So, Tommy, welcome to the pod, mate. Been a while since you've been on, but, you know, new season, new uh, excitement. What were your, you know, takeaways from, from the start of um, 2023? For all the hype of Mercedes having a resurgent season this season, they were very underwhelming. Mm. Um, there was a lot of talk with all the momentum they were gaining in the back half of the season. I expected a lot more from them in this first race, and it looks like they're right off the pace straight away. And you've got their drivers coming out saying that they're off the pace, that Red Bull's going to walk away at the championship. How much of that is gamesmanship, don't know. But, um, yeah, so I was quite surprised. Well, let's, let's, start, let's jump straight into the specifics then, boys. So we're going to go from... Worst to first, essentially, in the team's battle based on um, the weekend's result. We're going to try to keep each team up to, you know, three minutes. Um, do we have a timer? Oh, I think one well, just loosely, it's 8.41 now. So let's start with McLaren. Um, My favourites. 
the rock stars of this weekend. Oh, come on, mate. Don't be like that. Harry, do you want to lead here? Disappointing for Oscar in his first weekend in Formula One. Uh, qualified, what, 18th? Yeah. Um, the, I don't think the car had much more. I think Lando was only a couple of tenths because of the spread in Q1. Lando was actually only a couple of tenths behind, in front of Oscar, sorry. Um, race pace didn't look there either. The only kind of bright thing that I saw was Lando was able to keep onto the back of the Mercedes in that last stint, even though he was a lap down. Mm. Kind of showed a little bit of pace there, but otherwise they keep talking about these upgrades that they're bringing in however many races, but so is everyone else. So unless these upgrades give a major kick up in performance, could be a long season for, for Papaya. The, the, the thing that will be interesting, like underwhelming, yes, I guess, you know, we'll talk, I was saying last week that they did enough testing. I think the proof's in the pudding now that they were definitely a little bit undercooked come the start of the season. And we've seen for two years now, really mm. the car not ready to start the season. Um, but if there's one kind of uh, a nugget of, that I've been able to glean from this weekend is that, Aston Martin and McLaren have both gone down very similar design philosophies, which is essentially uh, deeply inspired from the Red Bull um, car of last year. So if they've got the same power unit in the car and roughly quite similar philosophies with the way that the cars are designed, if they do get the design together, that gives me a little bit of hope Um, because right now, and again, we'll go in a, in a little bit more detail moving forward. Um, that Mercedes in the back of an Aston Martin looks a little bit better than the Mercedes in the back of a Mercedes. Um, but we'll save that conversation for a little bit later on. Um, Tommy, anything you picked up from Ferrari, mate? Uh, from from McLaren? Any nuggets? Oh, just how yeah, poor they were. Didn't look like they had any outright pace in. Qualifying like Logan Sargent was unlucky not to knock Norris out at mm. the exact same time. It's just that Norris set the time before Sargent. Um, so really interesting. Um, though, he have... Norris kind of picked up his pace, like his pace was better in Q two than it was in Q one. So yeah, I don't know if there was a bit of un, like he under like he made a mistake in Q one. Mm. But um, yeah, just I'm surprised at how bad the cars have gotten since they're. Like they had those years, I think it was 20, 2020, 2021, they were on such an upward trajectory. And same just with the new rigs and the new cars, they just gotten so wrong and it's progressively gotten wrong. Um, but yeah, I don't know if that's a, um, like if that's a, the way that they're going with it or just, yeah, I, I like you look at Aston Martin, Aston Martin um, was, was so mediocre last year and they've made such a big leap. And you're thinking, how hasn't McLaren done that? Mm. With all their recent success, Joey. My concern. Oh, sorry. Oh, go go. No, no, no go, Joey. No, I was going to throw to Alpha Tauri. So, if you got anything else about McLaren, shoot. Uh, I, I guess my concern, my concern with McLaren is, at what point do we start blaming the organisation? And it is only race one, right? But the same issues that they were having last year, Danny Rick have carried over. They can't get the grip in the car. They can't get they can't they can't get the car rotating the way that the drivers want. At what point do we look at the organization as a whole and say something's wrong? 
well, and it needs to be fixed. If, if we if we hypothesized down that route and wanted to be real about it, the issue has to be um, what's his name, James Vowles. Zach Brown. Mm. No, I, I think Zach Brown has done a lot of good things for McLaren. I don't think even from a McLaren perspective, you put someone else in there, they're going to be any better. But they brought um, James Vowles in two and a half years ago from Toro Rosso to be the lead, you know, engineer on the team. James, James Vowles is at Williams. Sorry, not James Williams. Who's the guy from yeah. Toro Rosso that, that McLaren have? Um, Stella? No. Nah. What's his name? Someone look it up while we, while we talk. But all anyway, I say, he, all, I, all I want to say is he came. Well, last he, week listen, he, 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 he came two and a half years ago. He's seen the development of their last two cars, um, and they both are having the same problem. So, one thing that we do know about Zach Brown and McLaren is that if he does make the wrong decision, he at least is man enough to admit it and then to rectify it. So, if if the car doesn't see the improvements that they expect. Um, it wouldn't surprise me if they had a new kind of technical director sooner rather than later, because that is the really that's the biggest difference between um, that's the biggest difference between the years before um, and, and the issue and the struggles that they're having now. Um, All I say is from last week we discussed the the laps or how many laps they did in testing, and I think realistically what we saw this weekend was when you have the least laps in testing, this is what springs up when you have, you know, two uh, separate different car problems. Um, the lack of testing might maybe not might not be the only problem, but when you don't have um, when you don't have the laps under your belt that the other teams are putting in, I think it's very easy to see that one problem could be it's just problems that they were never able to, you know, even encounter in testing. So oh, James gonna- Key, not James Vowles. James Key. So I think that's going to be the, uh, if there's a head to roll based on last year and then a progression into this year, I think that will be what we see. And I think that's probably a fairly just call, but we'll obviously consider that later in the season if, if no change takes place. Um, let's go straight to Harston because Haas had, a, Haas had an interesting um, weekend. Um, you know, we obviously know that, um, Nico Hulkenberg's come back, had a really good job uh, in qualifying, did a really good job considering it's his first time in back in a car in what, properly in two years. So what do we make of um of Haas boys? Um, there's potential there. You're gonna have Not to talk a little bit harder for me, Tom, louder. They've definitely got potential. Hmm. Um their power unit seems to be pretty good. Like they're I think we just take a little bit of time for Hulkenberg to get Probably come to keep grips with the car. Magnussen shouldn't have rough rough idea, but they're performing as you'd expect two veterans to perform. The fact that he got into Q3, was that like maybe he doesn't have the match fitness, like the race fitness for a for a full Grand Prix just yet, but Mm. I was pretty impressed with the with the Q3 um entry. Does does the does the fact that they got into Q3 and then neither car was really able to maintain the speed that they had in Q3 into the rest of the race give you guys any cause for concern? Um, I wouldn't say it's cause for concern. I mean, if anything, I feel like they were on par with where they were going to be. I think they probably overachieved in in qualifying a little bit, um, which is why they were able to get into Q3. Um, 
But like realistically, it's the first race of the season. The track's a little bit of an anomaly by its very nature. Um, so I don't know until you get you know three, four, five races in and start seeing a few trends to even like stake a claim based on last year, I think is um, futile. Um, but yeah, like I, I feel like for me, they were kind of where they 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 they, they didn't surprise me. Um, I was impressed with Hulkenberg, particularly with qualifying. Um, but yeah, the, the car probably just needs to be developed. Like if there was one car, like if you were going to do a poll purely based on, um, like an ignorant person's understanding of aerodynamics and you were to poll all the cars in the championship, you know, very, very easily you'd probably get a poll with, you know, Williams and, and Haas, you know, fighting for first and second. So, um, they're kind of about, you know, where I expected to be honest with you. Um, but the fact that they got into Q3 uh, is good for me. It's good for the sponsors. They struggle with sponsors. So for them to get money, Graham, into, into Q3 is good. I'm impressed with that. Any other news on them? Any other thoughts? I think it's too early for any deep thoughts. I, I just thought it was good they got into Q3. I expected a bit more in, in terms of race pace. I put up a few, I put up a picture on the drive today mm. or on the chat as well. Just, um, mainly because of the I wanted to let everyone sort of see uh, in a graphic form the uh, tyre wear and the tyre uh, sort of mm. situation that happened in the race, mainly because, especially because of the number of pit stops in that race, you, I wanted to be able to highlight whether it was due to like smart strategy or actual race pace or um, um, race pace or tyre strategy. And one thing that you can see from a lot of the cars that finished at the bottom end of the top 10 and then sort of into the higher positions of the second half or the second 10 is this tight strategies was sort of all uh, somewhat similar. 50, so 50 you can, kind of a very even split between your. Yeah. Your, so, you, so from judging that, your you, can, you can sort of see that the, a lot of the positions initially are probably mainly due to race pace of the teams um, at this sort of stage. And then how the car reacts with, the adverse conditions of that Bahrain circuit. Mm. Well, let's jump into a team that had a little bit of news stood up this week. So Alpha Tauri, we are talking about it last week that they could have been um, up, like not up for sale, but we kind of hypothesized if they were to sell just based on their situation right now, who might hypothetically be um, a suitable buyer for the club and then uh, for the club, for the team. And then obviously you know, some news was floated that, you know, Red Bull were kind of interested in selling. That was quashed in the end. But I guess where there's smoke, there's fire, which was interesting. Um, but in relation to Alpha Tauri, um, Nick DeVries, you know, the thing that was probably most impressive with for me, the thing I was most impressed with him about really through testing and even at the start of this season is how together he seems for a rookie. Now, he's obviously not a young rookie. He's been around the block. He's raced in a few things. Um, but he knows what he wants from the car, and it's not there, and he's not um, scared to speak his mind. So uh, any other thoughts about the AlphaTauri, where they're at? Um, yeah, H, I'll throw it to you, mate. Hey, everyone else has copied the Red Bull, except for the sister team. Like, you'd think... If you had that, if you, if you had access to the best team in Formula One, you'd 
kind of use some of their design philosophies and mm. have a better car. But yeah, I don't know. It's it boggles my mind that. And I think, I think that, that because they are so close to Red Bull that they feel like if they were to copy, things could be inferred. It would be the 2020 Force India all over again. I thought I thought I heard something that was actually I heard something that was actually very interesting to me this week when I, I was in one of the news articles about the whole tour or so moving to England um, sort of proposition, and they were saying that Haas has a closer. Uh, link and sort of relationship with Ferrari than Tour or so or Alpha Tari now it has with um Red Bull Racing, which I found which which I thought was actually hilarious and somewhat humorous because you'd think that they would have the closest bond on the grid, but well it sort of shows how closely linked Haas is with Ferrari number one, but also how much room there is for, you know, Alpha Tari to even get better maybe if they I don't know if it's swallowed some pride and and you know, a link to Red Bull more. Or but even I actually respect Bulls. them for going about it their own way as opposed to just just existing. Well, they've, got their, own his- they've got their own history now. They've got two race wins. They've got two other podiums as well. Mm. Like they are the development team for the Red Bull drivers. So, like, they'll always be the academy team. But, like, the fact that they've been able to pick up race wins and podiums along the way, it's... Um, impressive one. The success story in and of itself. Mm, I thought I mean, that. Um, I thought Yuki had a pretty good weekend and sort of made a pretty good step in. You know, just reminding people that he is still the number one driver in that team. Finished just off the points, but looks like he made a, a step in qualifying too. Yeah, well, everyone was saying that 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 car and the Williams looked the slowest in testing for all the laps that both teams did. So for them to even get a sniff of points, I thought was a pretty good showing. And for Yuki to have a um, sort of not accident free, but, you know, relatively clean weekend, he didn't make any headlines for the wrong reason. He's just a good way to start the season at a pretty hostile and um, um, sort of a race that's a bit of an anomaly. So hopefully, hopefully the fact that Michael Italiano is Yuki's trainer now, um, kind of changes his mindset a little bit and he doesn't have those little outbursts. And Do you think that that's really a little bit much of a difference though? Yeah, I think so. I think so. Thomas, Interesting to see. You're the, you're the resident Alpha Tauri fan on the panel. How would mm. you rate their, their weekend it's from your expectations? Pretty, it's pretty stock standard. Like, they've never been... The worst of the, well, other than last year, they've never been the bottom of the grid. They've never been top of the midfield. So it's a pretty, to finish 11th and 14th, and only really one second outside the top 10. Um, it's pretty standard. If, you, if Yuki managed to nab 10, then it would have made it pretty good. But it's, I think last standard. year Gasly came 9th or 10th there as well. So hmm. they um, wasn't, I don't think there was much of a difference. There was also another graphic I put up, and it was, the, how much time the teams have made over the off season, um, and they've made up uh, about a quarter. In of a comparison second, so to Red Bull, in comparison to last year's car, mm-hmm. yeah, but so what's they themselves? They haven't. They're, they're the team that has made the the second smallest jump mm. um, compared but to how, last year. How accurate is that graph, really? Because then you've got McLaren, who's made up 0.6 of a second, and there was well, from qualifying they're, they're, last year. You know that in, oh, in qualifying trim, you're running your leanest car. Um, That's interesting. So yeah. 
So I bring all the goodies to the pod for us to to have a little bit of a. Well, well let's let's go on to one of those dabble. goodies because one of the goodies was Williams, who made one point. They were the second. They made the second highest leap in qualifying pace from 2022 to 2023, close to 1.2 seconds. Um, yeah, so and I'm going to throw was- to you as the Williams man. Um, how did you feel about this weekend? What kind of were your key takeaways from your team? Absolutely surprised. Um, I mean, I knew the car had, we knew the car was um, reliable from testing. It was pretty bulletproof all testing. Um, in terms of pace during testing, it was a bit of a surprise. I mean, the caveat to all this is, is that this is a very high deg and, you know, interesting track in terms of temperatures and wind. Um, but uh, Albon was adamant that there was more pace in the car, even in qualifying. And he said the pace he had, he should, he was disappointed he didn't get into the into Q3, which I found interesting. Mm. Um, the, I think that the, the main thing for me is that, number one, they finished this race um, without doing some like elaborate tricky tyre strategy and sort of stretching the race, which is yeah. sort they of a way part, They've had a strategy on par with everyone else and they were competitive. Yeah. And they were, yeah, they were definitely competitive enough uh, in terms of that midfield battle that they're not, you know, seconds behind. And, and for both Williams to finish, I think, in front of the Haases, to finish in front of, um, to sort of split the Alpha Tauris as well. Um, yeah, they're a bit fortuitous that both McLarens didn't, uh, you know, finish the race today. But having said that, I don't know. I wouldn't have been surprised if they had finished ahead of them in terms of pace as well. I just thought it was a, a good way to start the season. My biggest worry now is that due to the fact that they still haven't implemented a technical director this year, um, it looks like that whole midfield battle is going to be an arms race in terms of who brings upgrades the quickest and the most efficiently and who can utilize that, that, um, you know, wind tunnel time, mm. um, you know, uh, the, the best, I suppose. Uh, so good place to start. It'll be interesting to see if it carries on to the other, other tracks that are coming up. And then if it does, how efficiently upgrades can be made, but we know the power unit is, is pretty on par with everyone else in that midfield because we saw that the, Aston Martin's, you know, running that same unit and it seems to be, other than the Red Bull, pretty good. Mm. Let's let's swing to Alpine. So Pierre Gasly's first qualifying session was pretty underwhelming. Um, got knocked out in Q1. He definitely did make amends for it in the race. We ended up finishing in, I don't know, ninth. was it ninth? Yes, yeah, no, so he, no, no. he got two points from for his troubles. Um kind of the opposite for Ocon who kind of had a decent race and then everything that could have gone wrong for him, speeding in the pit lane and working on his car too early after a penalty, like everything that could have gone wrong for him did go wrong. Um, I don't know, underwhelming, not underwhelming, but in the sense that I didn't really um, notice them at all during the race, really, like just in regards to overtakes, in regards to, like there was literally no... For me, anyway, I had no like mental notes as to oh, I want to talk about that, or I thought that was interesting, mm. or or whatever it might have been. So, I just wanted to get your opinions on on Alpine's race. If you know, if it was similar, different, like what do you guys think? I think one thing that yesterday's race highlighted was 
the the midfield is so tight now, and even the 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 um, the top eight as well. When you get stuck in traffic, you do lose a lot of time to the cars in front mm. um, because the the grid has sort of condensed in in um, in the way that all the cars seem to be somewhat competitive. So number one, I think that the Alpine racing from last up to ninth shows that it probably is the pick of the bunch in terms of that midfield if they can get a good starting position. The caveat to that is you need to get a good starting position in qualifying to then put yourself in a position to attack the the you know the cars in in that top ten rather than racing back from the from last on the grid. Just, um, just being a devil's advocate. So were they at all benefited from like they finished ninth, but McLaren's had two McLaren's had trouble. Leclerc fell out of the race. Um, Magnussen had issues. Halkenberg, for whatever reason, just didn't have the legs in the car by the end of the race. Like they went, went from last to ninth, and has, credit has to be given for them there. But are you giving them too much credit for, you know, fighting their way through the field, or were they also the beneficiaries of some, um, you misfortune. know, misfortune? I think you're always a beneficiary to misfortune. I, I, I just think. For us to know, number one, we have to see them again next week. But the the fact that a you're able to get to that position is should be a positive. Mm. Um, it's not the be all and end all. I I still think they would they have a. I think at the moment every team has a better car than McLaren. Like I'm I'm not going to put. Yeah. I think at the moment that is fact. That car is a piece of shit. Um, so I, I'm holding off full judgment until we get to Melbourne. Yeah. Uh, they were at bad. The moment, they were bad at the in my moment. Range. It's all last year. Yeah, at the moment, at the moment, it is not looking great for them. But you can't, for, um, I understand that. But like, they also finished eleventh in qualifying. Yeah, I'm saying, but but the 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 difference between the qualifying car and the race car this year seems to be drastic. And if you're if you've got a good qualifying car, that's great. But it has to be able to do the. A, a finish the race and then also do it in a way that it, it's not killing its tires. Like you saw other examples of like the Ferrari has, has a, it seems to have a pretty close car in qualifying to the Red Bull, but in, in race trim, it's night and day. And if Red Bull are compromising their car in quality trim, because they know that come race day, they've got 58 laps to pull a minute lead. You know, that's what teams are going to do. Any other points on Alpine? Any other thoughts, lads, before we move on to Alpha? Their, their driver pairing is kind of the one that I'm really going to be watching closely this year because mm. I think there's going to be some fireworks there, especially if they're racing near each other. Like we saw Fernando and Ocon last year. Ocon doesn't yield for anyone. Mm. And if that happens, I feel that with their history, and that could derail the team because I think Alonso kind of knew he was out. And didn't give, didn't care as much, but Gasly's there to stay there now, and so is Ocon. So it's going to be interesting. Did you think that Ocon handled that race by the end of that race when you heard him talking on the team radio? I was actually pleasantly surprised with how mature he seemed to handle the situation of yeah, this is a pretty terrible, you know, first weekend of the season, but mm-hmm. he wasn't sort of making any irrational. Um, I think sort of I think statements. I think you realize that. I think you got to realize that it's the first week of the season. Season's longer mm-hmm. than it's ever been before. Um, you know, issues were befalling everyone. So, 
just count your loss at the end of the day you lose what six points to your competitors something like that so it's definitely not the end of the world for anyone really that's the long and short of it unless you're bloody Aston Martin and you've got your your third and sixth and you're kind of pretty happy in that midfield battle right now Alfa Romeo what do we think Bottas was in a few dog fights normally on the losing end of some overtaking maneuvers but he looked racy mm-hmm. um the car just didn't seem to have the legs of the rest of them i think they're a beneficiary of everything else that happened as well i don't know if that car is a car capable of finishing in the top 10 week in week out by the looks of it joe what do you think um i think they've got a better car than I mean, this is so early to say it. It's definitely better than McLaren, but I think out of the cars... Mate, to you, top, everyone's better than McLaren right now. Well, because everyone is. Um, it's easy to be when everyone else finishes the race. Um, they had the lowest growth from Q1 to Q... From who's that? Qualifying last year, this year. Alfa Romeo. Uh, they were quick at the start of the year, though. Yeah, they were quick I at the start of last year. They were. Yeah. Um, I mean... To get one car in the top 10, I think a lot, a lot of the mid-teams mid are sort of like that. Uh, it's going to be interesting to see how it progresses through the year. That is a sophisticated-looking car, though, compared to a lot of the other midfield teams. Um, so I'm interested to see how much scope it has for, you know, growing onto it. Uh, with the plane cars, you can sort of see, oh, we can, you know, utilise this space here, utilise this space there. But that car, is look, it looks very sophisticated already. It was, Anyone- I was interested... When anyone was watching the race, did you kind of notice as you were watching it how much black there was? Yeah, the how, dark, how dark it is. I didn't, I, don't like I, didn't, it. I didn't like it as much as I did in the pictures because it just looks yeah. like a, a blob. Um, especially yeah, but, that, a, but also like a lot of the cars, not just like it's very visible on the Alpha, particularly in the dark. But they're all blacked out these days. Saw a lot of like obviously we knew there was a lot of black, but when you watch it in the race, I mean the, the car that I think did it the best was um Aston Martin. But there's a lot of black on a lot of but cars. I think, the Merc, I think the Merc has got a lot of tasteful black. The Ferrari has a little bit of tasteful black. But because I think the uh, Alphas red and black are so close and it's probably under the lights as well, eh? it was just very, it was very hard to sort of see any of the, you know, it just looked a bit like a blur. I think that's the issue. Up. It was a night race. Yeah. What do you, do you mean? Know one thing about, you know one thing about the Alpha? They still got the fastest lap of the race, which... It was yeah, Gasly was Gasly was the fastest to the last lap, but for the for the um, Alpha to still finish the race with the fastest lap, I think just shows how close the um, you know the, the grid actually is this year, regardless of the Red Bulls running away. But even for them not to be able to, you know, have the luxury of doing a whole race pitting, throwing on some new tires, and then going for fastest lap to maximize the points, I think in itself is a pretty good position to be in at the moment, even though they seem to be so dominant. Guan Yu Zhou. Mm. Nice helmet. That's how I notice him. Apart from that, I've, he's, a I have steady, not, he's a steady Eddie. He's a steady Eddie, but kind of so steady that you never, he never catches any eyes. He's always unless been he's, a steady Eddie. Unless he's on his roof going down the straight at Silverstone, you don't really hear much about him. Yeah, but is that enough? <laughs> is that enough to keep his seat? Well, he doesn't, he wowed he doesn't, he doesn't he make has... mistakes and he picks up points here and there. I think in a mid-table car that with a high competitive midfield, I think that's really 
what we have to do. Like both has last year flew out of the gates and he got like 40 of his 50 odd points in like the first, I think it was like the first quarter of the season. Joe got like playing half of that, but it was just an accumulation of races like all throughout the year. Mm. So I think he does, like he obviously did enough to secure his seat because um, he got his um, year contract extension. So uh, yeah, I, 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 I think he I, holds his own pretty well. The thing about I, I think, go H. I, I think with Seidel there now and the transition plan to go to Audi in 2026, I think they'll be looking to replace Joe quite soon, whether it's at the end of this year or end of next year. I don't know, but I think I don't think he's the one to take Audi when they come into the sport. The thing that <coughs> excuse me, the thing that interests me about him is this super steady, um, completely under the radar. But like Tom said, brings the car home pretty much all the time. And yet someone like Mick Schumacher last year who had a lot more peaks and troughs, but was probably a lot more expensive to have as a driver than than um Guan Yu Zhou is. So I guess if there's you know, if you want to keep a seat, you know, one thing's to bring in points, the other thing is to not accumulate a hefty, you know, repair bill. Uh, and I think he does that pretty well as well. I'm going um, into full conspiracy mode though. Yeah. This is just totally out of left field. If Audi's coming into the sport and you've got steady Eddie who fin- can finish 12th and Mick Schumacher who can finish 13th DNF or get some points in the race, who's also German. Um, I think that's huge. Well, realistically, German be, brand. For, by the time Audi come in, they'll be getting, looking for two drops because Bottas realistically will be done. We should be done. I, so. I think it's, I think it's way too early to have a this discussion. I, I think Joe has done nothing wrong, to be honest. Mm. Like he has done, he hasn't set the world on fire. But I think at the same time, he's probably jumped through every hoop he's needed to jump through. But he, he didn't do. He didn't set the world on fire in F two either. He was there for what three years. Like he finished behind Piastri, finished behind Leclerc. Who was did Norris win? Norris. Yeah, he finished behind. Yeah, he finished behind all the graduates that got to F1 a couple of years before him. So well, I think I think if there's any wisdom to be gleaned from other drivers on the grid, we're going to hit him soon. But in a great car, in a good car, you can look really good. Um, and at the moment, I don't think that Alpha is at the peak of you know being the best part car in that midfield. Um, when you look at someone like Stroll, who sort of looks pretty ordinary when his car is ordinary. And then can race to sixth, beat George Russell with a broken wrist um, when the car is decent. Um, I think it sort of shows that yeah, a lot of it is the is the driver, but still a lot of it is the car that you're graced with at the start of the year. So I think got to give him especially and like him and Piastri, I think in the same boat, you just got to give them some time. Let's move. Let's move to the big boys of the of the weekend. Um, Merck, Ferrari. Looked like they had all the like. Looked like they had a very competitive pack, cap, uh, package after qualifying. It'll be interesting to see how it ended up if Charles didn't have the Gremlins that you know finished his race. Um, but what did you guys make of Ferrari? More of the can same. We actually talk, can we talk about the Gremlins? Because I yeah. think that's a big thing to 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 skip out on. Yeah, um, week like you, weekend first weekend, and they got bloody power two power units or one power unit and a set of batteries already used up. Like it's insane. If you notice on my top five picks before the race, actually, I, I didn't put 
um, Charles in there because I expected one of the cars not to. I had a thought. I was like, you know, one of these cars isn't going to finish just off a hunch. And I thought, you know what? It seems to be Charles's car who, who has the engine problems. I'm just going to go for hunt. It's going to be his car. Um, I mean, I didn't. I, I have a suspicion, a sneaky suspicion that they've turned up that that engine to be somewhat more competitive to the Red Bulls, which it wasn't even anyway. But yeah, for the first race of the season, that is not the site you want to be seeing 40 laps into a race. Um, but yeah, more of the same. I mean, it's a bad, probably a pretty sore headache for um, Frederick to have in his first weekend as team principal. What did you think of their comparative race pace? Because I thought Carlos was struggling to keep on the tail end of, of Charles for most of the race. And he was only in that position. Like Fernando was... Because it would be interesting yeah. to know if they were running at different, the engines running at different outputs. Mm. It'd be interesting okay. to see as well, if, even if they're not, if the fact of how hard Charles is running is what's causing them to break. I wonder if Thomas has any, um, oh, he's gone. But I was going to say, I wonder if he had any inside knowledge based on the show logos he's got on his T-shirt. I mean, does he any? <laughs> he's heard it, if he's heard anything on the grapevine. Any, yeah, do you, get any, like, um, do you get any deep knowledge from that, Tom? Well, when, I'm at the Bowser, when I'm at the Bowser talking to Eileen, um, she did say that there were some irregularities with the with the oil and the compressor in the engine. Yeah, so um, that seems to be one of the main issues plaguing that car. There you go, mate. The resident, the resident shell <laughs> V power V power uh, expert for the podcast. There's um, one. I think there's one, thing to rem- there's one thing to remember about the Ferrari as well, which isn't even due to race pace. It's due to the tire wear situation of that car. It does seem to burn its tires quicker than a lot of the other front running cars, and at a, a you know a desert race, it's um. Mm. I think for them the the biggest thing is okay we're not we're not going to have the actual race pace especially this week because we're going to burn our tires quicker and we understand that, but for them to then maximize the points that they do get and for an engine to go, especially on a race like this I think is is, is massive because what we saw last year is the fact that all right. You're gonna have some tracks where your car seems to work. That's that's great, but yeah, you gotta limit, you got to limit the depth of your trough. That's like what's how your, we get what's your, Yeah, that's what's your worst weekend look like? This this race last year, two Red Bulls didn't finish and they still smoked the season. Mm. So for them to get a one-two and for Ferrari to finish with one car in fourth is a, is a, is a great start for Red Bull to have at a track that you know they lost what forty points at last year. Well, another another team that week was kind of hope when we expected them to be more competitive than they were were Mercedes. Um, they looked underwhelming in qualifying compared to the big four, um, and kind of the race was a lot more of the same. Um, so, what do you guys make of it? There was a lot of negative comments coming out of George Russell after the race. And physically, um, and physically, they look disgusting. George Russell's car is the biggest eyesore on the grid. It looks like something out of Doctor. It looks like something out of Doctor Seuss or a Black Eyed Peas album cover. What that are you black, talking that about? green with on the black. Oh, that's you're not, of the, you're not a fan of the black he, and green. He, he deserves. To, he deserves to have DNS just for having that disgusting colour scheme. I love that I helmet love that he's got. Man. Oh, no, I, that's, I that's, love that helmet. It looks like a. I don't know. It looks like a mint lolly. Just chilling. No, I love that. No car. good. Mate, the only podcast I, I, that three to one, mate. Yeah, I think that's a sexy car. A sexy <laughs> not car. I don't, I don't. I like the silver more than I like the black, but I like the helmet. Yeah. 
the thing, only thing that irks me is that um, it's so similar to to um, Lewis's helmet, like a fluoro green, fluoro yellow. The fluoro um, looks nice. That green is just nah, strong words, mate. First port in a long time. Strong words coming from Tom about helmets. I'm a, I'm a fan. It's green. Uh, it's any- greener than the green screen. Do you have any depth of knowledge about Mercedes apart from their aesthetic? Um, well, I wanted to pose a question to you. What's gone so wrong with, like, how haven't, like, as I was saying before, they had so much momentum going to the back half of the season. Mercedes, like, for the past 10 years, they've been so on, on the ball that they've gone with great innovations and stuff. How have they gotten it so wrong with design for the car? Because it doesn't look like they've can changed I, much. They've, can I, can I, can I change your question a little bit? Because I don't think that they've got it so wrong because they've actually had a very big increase this year in pace, but they're still comparative to everyone else. Everyone's six tenths, seven tenths. Um, Aston Martin's 1.2 tenths, but they were pretty slow last year. So that's, that's relatively, you know, com- you know, it's still in that comparative range. The biggest thing is how much, of, how much pace Red Bull has got. And maybe this is a conversation for another time. But two weeks ago, I said when they got they got in trouble for their breaches, that you know even with the sanctions that were going to be handed down, they've already they would have already got the advantage based on the development of the car taking place so long ago, and we've seen mm. that that car right now is you know going to be going to take a lot of st- stopping, and I think they're laughing right now at the sanctions that were handed down because their car is so far ahead that at the very best, all those sanctions are going to do is make them, you know, 10 seconds ahead at the end of a race as opposed to 30. Um, so I said you know it weeks ago, is- they needed to go harder. They needed to kind of freeze them out of like freeze people out of a workshop for 30 days. So you physically can't continue developing the car because the way that they've done it, there's no incentive for other teams not to based on how competitive they are right now. I think if you look at every team that has gotten better this year, every team that's gotten better this year has sort of quote unquote Red Bullified their car. Um, The teams that have made this probably the smallest gains, Mercedes, Ferrari, uh, McLaren. Mercedes have made the fourth most gains this year. They're seven. They've made seven tenths. Well, last year they they couldn't drive because they were porpoising. They were driving. They've made seven tenths. Would you say Yeah, but... Yeah, when when you say seven tenths, it's seven tenths from Bahrain. The the, the cool. rate of development for their car throughout the season was huge. Do you know what I mean? Say so what? So it's from they Bahrain were they were, oh yes yes yeah I get you. Yeah, yeah it's, not from, so, it's not from the end of the year. Yeah, yeah I, I mean that. I get I mean, that. For, for for me, it's going to be an interesting case study. I think we said it last we said it last I said it last week about Aston Martin and them running the same engine, same gearbox, same 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 drivetrain. The Aston Martin is a Red Bull somewhat clone with, you know, the Mercedes um, power unit. The Mercedes is a, you know, a evolution of last year's car. One thing that I think is interesting that they're saying is that they've, they're lacking, they're, they're severely lacking downforce. And it's interesting that they're the only car that has this no side pod, um, you know, this philosophy. zero side pod philosophy. And they're saying, you know, we're so down on downforce. Um I, I think it's going to be a case of, you know, twice the pride, double the fall. They had an off-season to, you know, develop a new body kit that was, you know, a Red Bullish replica. 
we see that the power unit is some you know is competitive against that Honda. So now I, I'm interested to see if they have another kit that'll be coming in, like when the European season starts. You know, a whole new side, side design. I, I design that has to be the case because the gap to Red Bull is too far. To you know, within two years, if Red Bull stays stationary, I think to find you know parts that they can add to this zero you know concept i think it's going to be all right what can we do now this you know change this um especially because that design last year was built to run so low to the ground that whole concept as well and we, we saw last year that to raise the car the cars have been mandated to be raised again this year it doesn't look bad it just for them to be losing out on pure race pace to Aston Martin must hurt their pride a lot. Because can I, um, can I yeah. ask? Sorry, keep going. Can I ask a question about the optics of the sport based on Me. this race? Most um, excited I've been for the sport in probably two years. The most excited? Yeah. Based on the optics of the race? Yeah. Um, I liked everything about the race except for the race up front. And the race well, up think- front depressed me. By the end of the race, but I, th- but I think I think we. I'm used to having the pressing races at the front, but yeah, I think but everything. I'm, I'm not worried about top two. I'm great. not worried about where. Like I don't actually. This conversation isn't about where teams are finishing. It's purely based on building anticipation for a season, and then after the first race, you know, I, I would love to see the um, odds of 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 Red Bull not to win the championship right now, because I'm sure after that race they're already pretty low. I think it's a lock. But if I'm, if I'm, if what did you say? I think it's a lock. If I'm, if I'm Formula One, and I see this, um, obviously, you know, we've spoken about how Formula One, the the formula, um, doesn't want to deviate from the path of um, coming to spec, or kind of, you know, it needs to keep its its um, DNA of engineering, of development, etc. But if I'm Formula One and I'm the decision makers in the sport, do I have to start thinking about some kind of handicap or ballast system to peg the grid closer together? Because you cannot have a season like this when the seasons are getting longer, the seasons are getting longer so that they can make more money. You cannot have um, races that are this drawn out and gaps in the field that are this wide. So some kind of balance, some kind of uh, disadvantage, like competitive disadvantage, that's the same for everyone based on, you know, previous race performances or championship standings or whatever it is, I think needs to be put in place to keep more teams in the hunt, to keep it more relative. It might make it a little bit more novel. I think that's naive. But DRS is is a novelty. I think, in it. I think, I think that's naive yeah, because if you think about the most of the years you've followed Formula One, like the, you look at the Schumacher era, totally dominant, like especially the, the once he started winning, Totally dominated by Ferrari, like yeah. Ridiculously I, listen, dominated I, by Ferrari. I understand that, but we are talking right Red now Bull, about we yeah. are talking right now about an industry that was once. Can I finish my point? Yeah. So then you have the Red Bull era. Other than maybe one or two years in that four year stint, I think it was maybe one year. Totally dominated by Red Bull. Mercedes one was blatant. It was it was it was pretty easy. And then now we've got Red Bull. Do sort of it looks looks like they're on you know the the runway for another sort of era like this. I think the difference is is that at least like especially with the um with the Mercedes era, there definitely was a problem with the midfield battle and cars being able to follow each other to actually 
make the rest of the um, show interesting. Red Bull, uh, Red Bull are dominating because they built a great car and they've been able to, you know, work on, you know, perfecting that car. Having said that, they as they continue to dominate, they're gonna they're going to lose a lot of aero time comparatively to the other teams. So it's not I can't foresee it being like a six or seven year, you know, reign so, of dominance. So 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 just to bite back a little bit, um, most teams made up six point six of a second from last year this year. Yeah. Um, most teams for our uh, Red Bull made up one point one seconds. So they're still five tenths ahead in their development this year. So we're saying that with reduced aero time next year, these teams are going to make up five tenths. But, but why? It's because the two other teams who we're measuring them against have stuck with inferior aero concepts so, by all metrics. So my argument like, is right. this: I I don't care so like I understand that they're doing a good job and they should still be in with a chance to win the championship. Like that is not like I'm not denying them that. But if you're Formula One and you have now got a much larger um, audience, because you can, we can make the argument that in the past, um, Formula One was dominated by successful teams, successful drivers, you know, McLaren, Williams during their time, Ferrari, yes, all these kind of things. But you're, talk, you're, you're talking very much to, you're preaching to a, a converted choir, whereas now we've got this kind of sport that is a lot more novel, a lot more accessible to everyone. If I'm a fan or if I'm someone that's interested in the sport and I'm watching someone win by 35 seconds to their teammate who's won by another 10 seconds to the third place car, right, that is not the look that you want Formula 1 to have. And we've seen a lot of other... Let me finish. We've seen a lot lot of other categories. You've seen a lot of other categories have some kind of ballast or um, disadvantage system that still allows those teams that should win to win, but it keeps the spectacle much better. It keeps it much more engaging for the whole season. And as the season gets longer, I mean, imagine if we have another season this year when the race is tied up by, um, you know, with six races to go, because that's a real possibility. But at the same time that you're saying this, you've got like a sport like NFL where, where a lot of the new fans are coming from, which has been totally dominated by, the New England Patriots until very recently for like not two the same decades. Because, because on yeah, the, no, it's the not the same at all. Because sports in, like in, the Premier League, in, in where any other it's dominated sport. by two or three teams, these things yeah, happen. But Joseph, but you can't you, punish best in class because you know they're excellent. You have to, you can try and implement Joe, things to bring the grid together. But if the teams don't want to implement the best era philosophy because they've they're set on some path, you know, and and it's baked in, you know. We, we, we believe I swear to God, is, sometimes is, I feel like you argue just for the sake of arguing. But I think how is, how is NFL points. at all relevant to Formula One? Because yeah, any given sports Sunday, can survive the other teams team dominating. Huh? Because sports but, can survive with one team dominating. The it's, sport only survives. Well, that's a system that can be improved. Just because that's how it's been doesn't mean that's how it should be. Can I make a point on that, though? Thomas, If you please. look at all the Grand Prix, they're getting sold out like hotcakes. Like the Australian Grand Prix was sold out within a day of three days, let's say. So they're still bringing in fans. Like people enjoyed ten years of Mercedes. His argument is how long can that survive? Yeah, I understand that, but the the saying "expend or die" is a real one. And right now, they're still capitalising on the exposure of the sport. 
But I, as I the, as I, the market I, I, grows, I as the, the market grows and the novelty wears off and you get become more exposed to Formula One, I mean, for granted, you have two years. It's probably been helped by COVID that there wasn't an Australian Grand Prix. So right now it's doing very well. But if you have two, three, four, five years where you've got um, procession-like racing, particularly at the front, um, does that start to disengage people? I want to hear Harry's point, but all I'm going to say is other than the two Red Bulls running away, there was no procession-like racing in that race at all. I thought it was a pretty good race in terms of overtakes. Like I said, this is an anomaly race. The Ferrari should be better when you hit, you know, the European tracks and, and tracks that don't have such extreme temperature conditions. I mean, it's up to them to... I think based on last year saying that this year, based on all of last year saying that this race is an anomaly is naive. But it's a desert race. They're always anomalies, especially for these Ferrari cars, apparently. And so... Yeah, well, Ferrari was... I'm, I'm happy to be proven year. wrong. What's your yeah. point, Harry? Uh, um, look, I guess to your point that it's an anomaly, Ferrari did lock it out last year and Charles won the race. But I'm hoping... Because we've we've raced there so many times in the last four years, that it is an anomaly just based off the fact that Red Bull would have all the data. I know all the teams would, but Red Bull's probably the most well-oiled machine on the grid, other than Mercedes. I'm hoping we go. I'm not worried about Jeddah. I'm not looking forward to that race at all. But once we start hitting Melbourne, Imola, and all those sorts of tracks, that we start to see some competitiveness come back. Um, because I'm with Anth if. If Max takes this out of Canter and by, you know, he's 200 points ahead at race 10, I think we could start seeing a huge drop-off in popularity at the sport because, yeah, I just think us as fans will start tuning out and the drive to survive fans won't stick around if it continues like this for years to come. That won't be a bad thing, though. Thomas, you purist. (laughs) I think I, 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 I stop th- reading comments these days. I'm worried. I think it's I only think one race just... in, but I told you straight away in the morning, Harry. I, saw, I told you like, I, I hope it's I hope it's an anomaly, but if that trend continues, um, it will be. Can I say something? If McLaren, to... if McLaren won every race of a season, you guys would be sucking each nah. other's dicks. So let's 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 no, stop. No, like you know, no, you know why, Joe? Hundred percent. No, no, don't don't start making just stupid comments for the sake of it. Because sports are only worth following if there's like competition. No, but you, and you all started said, saying the same thing about about Premier League this year because Chelsea's having a bad year. Joe, there oh, are people you know what, Joe, who follow. I'm leave it there because you just talk so much crap. Sometimes it's actually annoying. No, but you're making the same can, arguments. Can I say? Fernando for world champion, by the way. Um, we we've got to talk about him yet. We've got to talk about these guys. He made so many good moves last night. He looks no older than a day over 21. He's still got the youthful exuberance of, you know, a newly crowned F2 driver. And yet he's, you know, you know getting I just there. Say that. Is, isn't it a surprise? Because Alonso is in the level of 10th strike. That guy, regardless of whatever car is in, Drives the wheels off it, gets results that you shouldn't be getting in it, bar the 2016 anomaly McLaren car. But like mate, even in the Alpine, his race in Baku with that car still, mate. The, the, the Alpine last year, like he made that. I'm still the belief that he made, it was a good car, a solid car, but he was getting results in that that only he can extract from it. 
He's well, like Fernando Alonso through his whole career has always been a cut above a lot of drivers. He's always like picked he's, underachieving cars as well and done exactly. Yeah, he, he doesn't he have good, if he made good decisions in life, he doesn't life, have good judgment, he doesn't have good judgment calls, but he has always been a driver that will extract everything out of the car, like he doesn't Tell need. Me. And to be perfect for his conditions, he will extract tell, it regardless. Tell me that overtake on Hamilton wasn't probably one of the best overtakes you've seen in probably the last three years. And then he tried it again on Carlos. So and he put, and he, I mean, I mean, number one, the confidence he must have in that car to pull off that move down there sort of speaks volumes in itself. But watching him race, I think watching him race today is what gave me the like a bit of excitement for this season because I think Red Bull's going to run away. If I, I think that's a given, but at least if we can have it, it's going to be an anomaly. If he can, no, I, win th- or I two. think it's, I think they, I think they're going to come first and second every race this year, unless that their car breaks down. I think they're so far ahead. I'm just saying, I hope and, it's and, an anomaly. And, and you're arguing but, against my point. No, what I'm, what I'm saying is it's not their fault that no one else has adopted that. That Did I, know, that did I say at all that it was their fault? All I said no. was, if I'm Formula One, in the spirit of competition and in the spirit of the optics of the best optics for the sport, then we Dude, they need to have a system. Mercedes dominated for eight years. Do you think they're going to change their mind after a year and one race? And Can they I make change the regulations point? to address that after eight years. <laughs> what about twenty when that's it? That when that started? Yeah, I know you don't talk about IndyCar anymore, but. All you have to do is a look across the Pacific oh, mate, to that great category, Engaging and you have six drivers. That, that's why I've that's why I'm zoned out to do a Formula One and gone over there because it's entertaining. You have multiple teams going for it. I think if Formula One can adopt something like that model, not make it completely stop, but bring the field closer together, so you do get mixed results. It won't happen. We're talking Formula One. We're talking about, we're talk, we, have, we, we didn't even give Fernando his due. We we're still talking about him. Then. Yeah, it's got triggered again. Can you imagine um, if Max and Fernando go head to head for well, like I know it probably won't happen, but imagine the shit that would happen on track with them two racing side by side. It wouldn't last more than one year together at a team. <laughs> but you know, you know what as well, thinking about this, Aston Martin has the money behind them to keep developing that car. They've also got aero time to keep developing that t- that car. Last year we I spoke a lot of smack about. Mike Crack and what what was he doing at that team? But I think he's Spoke definitely his last name. That's what he was doing. Yeah, he's 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 definitely um, proved me wrong. Yeah, I'm they've sure got he this, they've, the got, they've got they've got this they've got this new yeah he, he, he I lit a fire under his ass. Um, they've got this new uh, development center coming up uh, very soon. All the, they seem to be getting they've got Fernando there now. They seem to be getting all these ducks in a row. I'm not saying it's this year. You know why? Because they got a wind tunnel this year. Well, I said the the, um, McLaren wind tunnel won't do much for them. Maybe I was wrong. You know, I'll concede that one. But I'm saying they're getting all these things in, like all these ducks in a row. It might not be this year, but if they can build themselves a solid platform to keep making these improvements, they're going to have more wind tunnel time next year over, um, over Red Bull. Like this is the beauty of at least this whole wind tunnel concept is that you you are going to punish Red Bull um, and they're going to have to think very hard about, you know, these impl- implementations of, sorry, H, go for it. I was just going to say, I've been the biggest critic of Stroll on this podcast. I think. Good job. 
90% of the time I think he's horrible. But this weekend he he showed a bit of ticker because I always thought he didn't have any because, you know, everything was given to him. He came in, his hand was busted. He could barely turn the wheel and he still pulled out a what, P6? Mm. Yeah. I was thinking about you the whole time I was watching it. Like every time I think of him race, I always think whenever I say stroll, I think of you because I, I give him a bit more plaudits than you do. He nearly freaking makes- wiped out his teammate on the first second yeah, corner. That's I'll say that. He nearly, he nearly, he nearly killed both their races. Ne- ne- he nearly, nearly strolled it. Doing it. Strolling ball. That's it. Um, well, you know what the good thing about Formula 1 is? We only got to wait till the 20th of March for race number two and it's going to be at the enthralling circuit by the sea in Saudi Arabia um, without My favorite one, race without a single race. proper breaking zone jer- although there is a spoon circuit so I can't wait to watch that procession um, it's going to be <laughs> carnival time in Europe so everybody's interested in a good procession by then um, so that will be great but the Racing Line podcast comes back to you with episode 71 next week when we digest breakdown the first race of Gen 3 in the V8 supercar season on the streets of Newcastle, gnarly as new cars, new liveries. How hyped are we for this? I, just want to I want to go. Can't wait. Are we hyped? We're hyped. Oh, extremely. And we're going to bring the noise next Monday night. I want to go. Unle- but- unless, unless the Camaras are still so dominant that it's another procession and then you'll we'll, we'll t- save this for next week but apparently they did some more aero testing this week well, and they, they feel like yeah, they, they found something but there's still some debate as to whether it's enough and um and whether the parity issue is aero or engine based so we'll, we'll know by how many tweets we'll know by how many tweets and instagram posts peter addison makes if it's worked yeah 100 percent. that's a good barometer 100 percent but well, um, the Mustangs I think- found a new mapping and then they said something about the aero tests the other day that they found somewhat. They're putting more aero in the Camaro. I think they're putting more today. ballast. Yeah. They're putting more aero and then they're actually designating, they've designated where the weight's going on the Camaro and they're giving it a little bit more aero in the front. But other than that, so, I think. So long as the Giz doesn't win, it'll be a happy Monday next week. Here he goes. If you regard it again. I'm excited to Chaz. I'm excited if about stroll, If he strolls away with two, two wins, then it's going to be a very bland and long season. You know what? This track is not about air. It's about big balls. And, and I'm, a fan of, I'm a fan of <laughs> the cause. So, yeah. So I think, I think regardless, we're going to have an epic event. Can't wait for it. As always, thanks for listening, guys. Thanks for subscribing, sharing. Please continue to do so. Please go onto our YouTube and watch a few of the videos that Joe puts together. Um, they're really starting to come along. Give them a like, give them a share. Um, we really appreciate your support as always. Tom, thanks for jumping on. Harry, Joe, it's always good to chew on the fat with you. Come with a better attitude next week, Joe, and a little bit more of a positive mindset. Fuck um, off, man. You just leave it open minded. Harry, <laughs> let's cue the music before he can get a word in. <laughs> thanks, boys. See ya.